0: The views expressed on this broadcast of the Take 12 Recovery Radio Show do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting or its affiliates. KHLT and Take12Radio.com are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder and Monty Meyer. And now, here's those two guys who investigate prior to contempt, Chris and the Monty Man.
1: Hello! folks, it is good to have you with us once again here on Walking Through the Big Book with Chris Schroeder. I am your co-host, the Monty Man, and our email address here is take12radio at comcast.net, the studio number 541-926-5806. If you forget all that, just go to our contact link at take12radio.com. And freshly back from Bermuda is Chris Schroeder. How you doing, buddy?
0: Hey, Monty,
1: how's it going? (laughs) I almost can't pronounce that. Bermuda uh, is, okay, just, just tell everybody, and maybe I'm the only one that doesn't know this, how far is the Bermuda Triangle from Bermuda? (laughs)
0: <laughs> well, one thing: Don't bring up the Bermuda Triangle when you're in Bermuda. They are not happy about uh, about having the Bermuda Triangle pinned on them. I'll bet uh, they they basically said it should be the Florida Triangle. It's closer to Florida, uh, right? I, I think I think the Bermuda Triangle goes from like Florida to, out to the Caribbean and up to Bermuda. Yeah, uh, but uh, you know, the, there's. Uh, There's not a lot of validity in in, uh, the the understanding that you're going to be lost if you cross into the Bermuda Triangle. Right,
1: right. Oh, that's great. Well, we are, uh, of course, in the uh, Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. For those of you, this is your first time joining us. We're going through this this wonderful book, page by page, sentence by sentence. And uh, this week we are in Chapter 6, Into Action. And uh, you know it starts out right away having made a personal inventory what shall we do about it good question chris
0: well you know just a quick recap of where we are in yes. in the spiritual process the recovery process is in step 1 we identified what our problem was our problem was is that that we suffer from alcoholism alcoholism manifests with um, uh, a mental obsession that draws people back into drink, even though uh, uh, many, many times they've made a firm resolution not to do it again. They find themselves drinking again. So it's a very strange uh, uh, psychic capacity to alcoholism in that, in that it doesn't matter if you want to stop drinking, doesn't matter what the reasons are for stop drinking, doesn't matter what the consequences are uh, for drinking, you'll end up doing it again anyway if if you've uh, if you've dropped yourself down into uh, alcoholism far enough, um, and that wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the physical craving, um, which is you know one drink always asks for a second, a second demands a third, the third in- insists on the fourth, and you end you end up uh, pretty much you know drinking until you you're unconscious. That's another uh, part of alcoholism, and, and that wouldn't be so bad <laughs> if it wasn't for the fact that, you're, you know, unmanageability manifests in your life in, in every single way. Problems pile up on you and become astonishingly difficult to solve. Personal relationships suffer. Your health suffers. Uh, you, you know, you, you, can't, you can't reason or see truth uh, or right or wrong in the ways that uh, sane people do. So that, that's the problem. You come to uh, believe that you know these these other people who have uh, who've achieved sobriety, who've achieved recovery, uh, were able to tap into something, and you come to believe that 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 something is a power greater than yourself. Uh, it's uh, it's it's the actual power of God. So you, you need to start getting uh, um, you know you need to start getting open-minded about uh, about spiritual matters. And when you do that, the next logical step is to actually make a decision to, to access that power. What do I need to do to get in front of that power? I'm dying from a progressively fatal illness. Uh, okay, tell me what do I need to do. Uh, uh, sh- show me. And that basically is, is, uh, is step three, uh, deciding to turn your will in your life or your actions and your thoughts over to the care of that power. Which can keep you safe and protected, and uh, and help you recreate your life. Uh, then, uh, you know, the first real uh, action step that they ask you to take is an inventory, an inventory of uh, the things that you're doing wrong and your in your life, the ways that you're falling short. Uh, how how are you shooting yourself in the foot all the time? Why why are you, you know, suffering so much emotionally? Why are your relationships? Uh, messed up. Why aren't you out there, you know, being the best kind of human being you can possibly be? Why Why have you retreated into isolation? Uh, you know, the guilt, the, the shame and the remorse that you suffer from. You need, you need to look at all the causes and conditions of those things very, very carefully so that you can see how they're operating in your life, how you're, you know, why you're living, you know, the wrong way. And uh, the next step after that is once you've put all these inventories together, once you understand your life story a little bit better, it's now uh, time to share that with with somebody. You know, there's been uh, there's been confessional uh, religious practices for many many years. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, a lot of therapists understand that getting to the truth of the matter and having someone honestly discuss. Uh, discuss uh, you, you know what 's going on with them is beneficial, but <clears throat> the, the genius of uh, the fifth step is is it gets down so deep uh, it gets down so deep into really the causes and conditions of, of your life that uh, sharing it uh, is really the beginning of a spiritual experience, and the end game for the alcoholic who wants to um, achieve recovery, wants to get to the state of, uh, of a recovered alcoholic. Mm-hmm. The end game is a spiritual uh, awakening. Mm-hmm. So beginning that spiritual awakening with the spiritual experience of the fifth step is absolutely vital, absolutely essential. Anybody wandering around the fellowships who've never done a fifth step are kidding themselves if they even think they're alcoholic uh, because there's so many warnings in this that if you do not do this, you will not overcome drinking. And, I, you know, I believe it. I mean, this comes from my own experience and my experience working with others. The people who skimp this step and stay sober are, haven't gone down the scale to what this book would describe as a real alcoholic, uh, or they're drunk again, mm-hmm. you know, one or the other. Mm-hmm. So, so skipping this step is, uh, is very, 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 very dangerous. And, you know, uh, I'll tell you one of the things that happened uh, to me, Monty, is I always needed to know why I needed to do something. Yeah. Why do I need to share all this stuff? I don't understand. This doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I think this is stupid. Uh, those those are all uh those are all mindsets that come from um the insane part of the alcoholic mind and you know uh, again we've we've mentioned this a bunch of times would you rather hold on to your old ideas and feel like you're right or would you rather survive? Yeah. And uh, and and again, uh, you know, I I think I don't know about you, Monty, but I think I'd rather survive.
1: I'd rather I, I would rather survive over anything, and, and I you know even the good book says, uh, uh, you know, our healing comes from confession one to another. I think I think, uh, and I don't know why that works that way, but I know that it does work. And if it works, why would you want to avoid it?
0: You know, I think I think we're tied to our secrets. Mm. I think we're in bondage to them. I think we're in bondage to the things that we're really ashamed of uh-huh. we've done. I think we're I think we're in bondage to the to the the guilt and the remorse that we have um, for some of the things that we've done. I truly believe that you know every alcoholic that I've met um, is is someone who suffers uh, very 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 much. When they do something wrong or they hurt somebody now it doesn't mean that they don't do things wrong or hurt people it, it just means that when they do that uh, there's uh, there's a boomerang effect and they absolutely do suffer that you know you, you, you all you probably almost have to have some type of psychosis or or uh, 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 or disorder to not feel uh, guilt shame or remorse but I think I think it's uh, amplified with the mm. alcoholic you know, I'm I'm out there I'm out there drinking, and I got to tell you, if you're a blackout drinker and you you know you leave the house, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen is you're going to you're going to have problems with people. You're going to do stupid things. You're you're gonna you're gonna break the law. You're you're gonna disappoint people. You're gonna rob people of emotional or financial security, and and then you have to deal with it when you sober up. And <clears throat> it's it's just a, a corrosive corrosive state of mind. To just be, you know, so to suffer so much from the things that we do. So there needs to be there needs to be a level of freedom. We we need to not have to go back to those those pages in our history that are not pretty. We we need to we need to find a way to be able to continue to move forward. If we're if we're stuck in the past or we suffer from things uh, that happened to us in the past. Mm-hmm. It makes it very, very difficult difficult to move uh, progressively forward into the future.
1: Sure, sure.
0: All right, I'm going to start reading. This is chapter six, uh, page seventy two. Having made our personal inventory, what shall we do about it? We've been trying to get a new attitude and a new relationship with our creator, and to d- discover the obstacles in our path. That's that's basically steps three and steps four. You know, that new relationship with the creator really is. Uh, the mainstay of step three, and discovering the obstacles in our path are step four. So many people think step four is just a, 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 you know, a, an exercise in beating oneself up, and, and it's really not. It's an exercise in figuring out how not to do it anymore. You know, so mm-hmm. we're discovering the obstacles in our path. We've admitted certain defects. We have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weak items in our personal inventory with, with our anger, uh, our fear, and, uh, and the things that we've done wrong. Now these are about to be cast out. Now what kind of a promise is that? <laughs> Anybody that's just done a four step and sees the whole magilla of, uh, of dysfunction in their life, um, a promise like this is, is pretty severe. Now, now these, these, these weak things, weak items, are about to be cast out. But this requires action on our part, which when completed will mean we have admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our defect. Again, when you write up a life story, or you go to confession, or you're talking to a therapist, you're usually not sharing the exact nature of your defects. You're sharing how those defects manifest. You're sharing how, the, how you're showing up out there, if, if you can even be that honest. So to be able to get down to the causes and conditions or the exact nature of the defect is the genius of step four. Now you need to share what you found in step four. Uh, I think it's a really, really good idea to, to read what you've written you know mm-hmm. and and so often uh people that are doing fifth steps with me want to elaborate you know so well let me let me let me tell you a little bit about you know wh- what was going on at this time and, and a lot of times the the elaboration is is basically to to kinda kinda uh uh uh, justify, you know, some of the stuff that's going on, and and that's not that's not what you, you don't want. To, that's not what the exercise is about. You know, justifying your be yes, my behavior was bad, but you know, let me let me tell you about what we. You know, that's <laughs> not really what this is about. I, I love it when somebody just reads one right after the other. The things that they did wrong, the harms, the fears, uh, the resentments. There's something very carth- uh, car- cathartic about uh, uh, about that.
1: Do you, Chris? Do you find that that uh, many times there is additional things that come out because they haven't put everything down in their four-step because of fear? Yes,
0: uh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, the last thing that we're going to talk about tonight is upon returning home. And I always cover off with uh, the people I do a fist step with that, it, that if, something, um, if something comes to you you know, on your way home, please give me a call because, because there's one thing that a, that a fourth step and a fifth step is never, uh, two things, they're never going to be, perfect and completed. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, like, this is like a living exercise. Yes, you do a fourth step and you do a fifth step and you've taken those steps, but you're also supposed to learn how to practice these principles in all your affairs. You're, you're supposed to continue to take personal inventory in step 10 and set right the wrongs and share with other people uh, the things that you need to talk about. So it, it's, it's really the first exercise that you do in a series of lifelong exercises if you're, fo- if you're following this book. Another thing that I do, Monty, jumping ahead a little bit, is if somebody's a little has a little bit of anxiety, I usually say, okay, let's start with all right, we're, we're, you're going to start reading inventory. Let's start with the thing that you decided on the way over here you weren't going to share with me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because every once in a while somebody's just got some deep dark thing, and and you know you know they, they want to hang on to it. They're so ashamed of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is about bringing the end of shame. Yeah. This is this isn't about, this isn't an exercise where you're going to hold on to something. And continue to be ashamed of it the rest of your life. This this step is about freedom. This step is about okay, you're you're ashamed of it. Share it. Let's get past the shame. Let's let's you know let's put this behind us. Let's get it get it get it to a point where you're never going to have to think about it again. Right. And you know that really is uh, that really is one of the one of the uh, objectives I think of this step. Mm-hmm. This brings us to the fifth step in the program of recovery mentioned in the preceding chapter. This is perhaps difficult, especially discussing our defects with another person. We think we have done well enough in admitting these things to ourself. There is doubt about that. Now, there's about eight places in here where it'll tell you that if, if you hold anything back or are not complete on this, you ain't gonna make it. And this is, this is the first one. In actual practice, we usually find a solitary self-appraisal insufficient. Many of us thought it necessary to go much further we'll be more reconciled to discussing ourselves with another person when we see good reason for why we should do so. You know, the alcoholic always has to have a reason. Yeah. The, the best reason first, if we skip this vital step, we may not overcome drinking. And, you know, Monty, if we don't want to overcome drinking, it's going to kill us. So for us to drink is to die. So if we skip this vital step, we die
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know i mean that that's not too hard of a stretch to make no not at all time after time newcomers have tried to keep to themselves certain facts about their lives trying to avoid this humbling experience they've turned to easier method almost invariably they got drunk bonnie what's invariably
1: <laughs> almost always
0: <laughs> Right. <laughs> almost, almost without variation yeah that's right uh Having persevered with the rest of the program they wondered why they fell. We think the reason is they never completed their house cleaning. They never took in, they took inventory, all right? But they hung on to some of the worst items in stock. They only thought they had lost their egotism and fear. They only thought they had humbled themselves. But they had not learned enough of humility, fearlessness and honesty in the sense we find it necessary until they told someone else all their life story. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a really interesting uh, sentence. Okay, let's say we've done uh, a pretty thorough inventory, but you know that thing in Cincinnati. You know, we, we we can't share that. You know, we we might end up in prison or something. Right. So we're going to hang on to some of the worst items in stock. So when you do that, you may think that you've lost enough egotism and fear to be able to stay to stay sober but what they're saying is that you need to completely humble yourself you need to learn enough of that type of humility you need to learn enough of the complete fearlessness you need in sharing all this stuff and honesty because that's the, that's what they find necessary uh, and then you need to tell someone all of your life story now from that sentence a lot of people have, have begun to think that a four step is a life story a lot of treatment centers ask you to to write out a life story and, and consider it your fourth step, and sharing it your fifth step—that that's really incorrect. What I believe they they mean in here is all your life story, all the inventories, and and if there's things in, that uh, weren't inventoried that are that are things that you know the, the really really bad things that you need to share, that needs to be shared also.
1: Do you think that? Um, <clears throat> Uh those of us who have kept things back I, I know in the beginning I did um there's something something else really going on there other than just wanting to hold on to it
0: You know uh it, there, there's a there's a battle going on and, and and it's been going on within humanity for thousands of years mm-hmm. uh the 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 earlier religious people believed it was between the devil and uh and your soul um, uh, modern psychologists will call it it's, it's between your ego and your better self or your spirit uh, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a conflict uh, that, that goes on and I think a lot of times our ego wins out and, and, uh, and our spirit doesn't so you know by making this a very very disciplined type of step by telling us eight times not to hold on to anything I think what they're trying to do is they're trying to not let our ego or not let uh, uh our 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 negative nature or or uh Satan win. You know, mm-hmm. we we need to place ourselves firmly on the side of spirit. Um uh because you know, we're we're spiritual beings, but we have that free will and the free will that we were given as a wonderful gift by God uh can can become perverted through uh through the selfishness and self-centeredness. That we exhibit, and we exhibit those especially as alcoholics. So, yeah. so if we're gonna if we're gonna hang on to something, you know, there's certain things that uh, that are hung on to, and then it tells us what to do with those. But if we're just hanging on to something because we don't want to look stupid, or we don't want the person we're sharing this stuff with to think we're lame. You know that's not a that's not a good enough reason. Mm-hmm. We we need to we need to plow through.
1: Yeah, it's ridiculous and, to die for that reason.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I don't want him to think I did that thing in Cincinnati. So I'll go back to drinking. I I mean, you know, listen. Do a complete fifth step. Die an alcoholic death. Okay. Make it as black and white as that. Yeah. Uh, and listen, I've heard I've heard uh, probably 150 fifth step. And not once did somebody share something with me that that made me not like the person. You know, mm-hmm. like I never want to see this guy again. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's all it's all human failing. You know, yeah. every one of them. And sometimes our ego wants us to think that we did we're so bad and we did such horrible stuff. And and that's a manif- that, that's a manifestation of selfishness. That that's that that's a manifestation of ego. You know, hopefully, when you get through doing your fifth step, that's when you first start to feel like you' you're really a decent human. you know It's, it's, it's not so bad. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time uh, after my first fist step, I, I started to think, you know maybe I am a member of humanity. Maybe I am not such a scumbag that, that, that I thought I was and And I started to rejoin the human race a little bit after after doing this. And again, you know, you, you can go to confession, and you can go to uh, counselors and psychologists. It's not the same experience. Mm-hmm. It's just mm-hmm. not the, the same experience. So don't fool yourself and think that you've done it with your counselor or something. It, it, this really needs to be done with a sponsor, a spiritual advisor, uh, uh, in the way that it, it's described and with the inventories being read. More than most people, the alcoholic leads a double life. He's very much the actor. The, to the outer world, he presents his stage character. This is the one he likes his fellows to see. He wants to enjoy a certain reputation, but knows in his heart he doesn't deserve it. The inconsistency is made worse by the things he does on his sprees. Coming to his senses, he's revolted at certain episodes he vaguely remembers. These memories are a nightmare. He trembles to think someone might have observed him. As fast as he can, he pushes these memories far inside himself. He hopes they will never see the light of day. He is under constant fear and tension, and that makes for more drinking. I don't know about you, Monty, but that happened to me a lot. I would wake up in the morning and I'd have a hazy recollection of some really embarrassing, tragic insane thing i had done the night before and i had to jam that down i that was not that was too painful for me to just stay conscious of yeah so i would either start drinking again or just or rationalize or just try to forget it that was the deal
1: that was the deal with me and it's so funny because that that section that you just read um that was one of the first places i started marking in uh in my big book that i but this is the first time i had, had ever read read it uh was in jail and i put me in big block letters <laughs> yeah and it's still there and i was i i had to chuckle yeah you betcha man and i was i would usually put some sort of substance in my body um because i couldn't shove it down far enough so i just yeah get drunk. you gotta
0: numb it out yep i mean and and in the paragraph above, where he talks about uh, we're we're trying to we're we're playing an actor, you know, we're mm-hmm. we're not being ourselves because we don't think that anybody would like ourselves. Have you ever? Did you ever see the Woody Allen movie called Zelig?
1: No, I didn't.
0: Zelig was a human chameleon. Like, like, and and he he's going through the history of the first part of uh, the twentieth century, and you know, all of a sudden he ends up with Nazis, and all of a sudden he becomes like a Nazi, you know, <laughs> and and all of a sudden he's with Hasidic dudes, and he and, and he starts to grow a beard, you know, like like the he was a human chameleon, and I related so much to that movie because I'll tell you, if I was sitting at the bar with a bunch of Republicans, mm-hmm. I was saying, yeah, you know, the your Republican agenda, conservatism. And if I was over, you know, with the Democrats, Mm -hmm. you know, I'd be going, yeah, you know, liberalism. (laughs) I I, I had no, I had no, I I didn't have enough integrity to be myself. I I thought that there was something so wrong with myself that I I really was very much attached to what I thought you thought about. Sure. You, you know it makes sense and, and and i that doesn't even mean I cared very much about you. <laughs> I might not have cared anything about you, but I cared a lot about what you thought about me yeah and that's, and, and that's a real alcoholic trait, yeah Psychologists are inclined to agree with us. We have spent thousands of dollars for examinations. We know but few instances where we have given these doctors a fair break. We really probably are the only group that, as a whole spend tens of thousands of dollars on therapy and lie to the therapist <laughs> and, then, and then complain that therapy is not helping
1: yeah.
0: you know we have seldom told them the whole truth nor have we followed their advice unwilling to be honest with these sympathetic men we were honest with no one else small wonder many in the medical profession have a low opinion of alcoholics and their chance for recovery you know, I, I want to talk about, about something. It's going to shift a little bit away from the fifth step, but the medical profession, there's a lot of people, a lot of professionals out there who have a really low opinion of alcoholics. Mm-hmm. I believe they have a low opinion of alcoholics just because they see they see them in the critical stages of low-bottom alcoholism. In other words... When do the doctors see the alcoholics? They see them when their esophaguses are blowing up, when, when they, they've died because their aorta has exploded. They're trying to help them, you know, uh, fix their liver because they're cirrhosis. You know, they're coming in with DTs and, and, and completely insane, and, and they get really violent in the emergency rooms. And, you know, alcoholics are, are real good at running into the hospital and saying, oh, help me, help me, help me. And then, you know, two days after they get sober, they start figuring out what what's wrong with the hospital. You know, these people aren't running this place right, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, what do you mean I can't use the phone? <laughs> and, and, and they storm out with a resentment, don't pay their bill, and then come back a month later. You know, help me, help me. I mean, of course the doctors are going to have low opinions uh, of the alcoholics, but the one thing that we can do as people who have recovered from this hopeless state of mind and body is sometimes we need to let people know in the professions that we are recovered alcoholics. Uh Uh, Treatment works in most instances, or at least in some instances, and recovery is absolutely possible because what happens today is you know, yeah, they see us at our worst. They, the, the judges see us after we've gotten our third DUI, and the doctors see us when our liver is exploding. And, and you know, the, I mean, most of these professionals really see us at a low point. And then we get sober, and we, we never go back. You know, we're gone. We disappear because there's really no problem anymore. Uh-huh. That's part of the problem. You know what i mean yeah yeah like, you like if we're not letting them know hey you know i'm the guy who was a complete maniac you know here six months ago you know i trashed your er and, and you, you threw me out of here i just want to let you know uh that uh, that i'm sober now uh, I'm, I'm and i'm working a recovery program and listen you know i want to give you my number because because recovery really does work, and if there's anybody like me who comes in here, you know, and you can give, you can, please, you give them my number. I, I think if I can help, I will. There's not enough people that do that anymore. There's not enough people that do that with judges. There's not enough people that do it with doctors. There's not enough people that do it with with uh, any number of police, any number of other uh, professionals, and and it hurts us. Because it, it perpetuates the stigma and the discrimination about alcoholism, whereby everybody believes that an alcoholic should never gets better. You know it's, it's you know don't ever trust them, you know don't ever lend them money. You know if they're an alcoholic, they're never going to get better. Uh, that's just not true. You know it, Monty, as right. well as I do. Uh, recovery is very much possible. You bet. So uh, sorry for that tangent but no no
1: no that's that's important.
0: I felt like I needed to uh, needed to do it. We must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world. What if that's what if that sentence is absolutely true? We must be entirely honest with somebody if we're gonna live a long life <laughs> and not die an <laughs> alcoholic like death or, or even be happy in this world. Yeah you know um i i sometimes i take sometimes i'm a big book literalist and i and i get criticized for that every once in a while but let's just say what what if in your particular case that that statement's absolutely true uh that might that might help to convince you to uh to get on with this uh, business of the fist step.
1: And, and, and i and chris chris don't you think that there's something in us though sometimes we fight this thing about about being totally honest, but don't you think that within every man, there's something deep down in there that really longs to open up?
0: I th- I think, you know, I-, I think that our ego or our, our uh, the lesser part of our nature yeah. wants to hide it because yeah. it wants us in isolation and it, pr- and our alcoholism probably wants us drunk again. Uh, but it'll settle for us dead. Uh, um, but I think I think the better part of our nature wants uh, wants communion with with their fellow man. Mm-hmm. Wants the wants, uh, experience uh, as cleanly and clearly as possible the grace uh, and presence of God. Yeah. So right, I, yeah. I think I think deep deep down within us we, we want to be able to do this. But there's that there's that fight between our ego and our spirit when we're sitting there sharing this fist up stuff. You know, and we're, yeah. we're we're thinking, you know, oh, oh I don't, I don't want to do this, and you know, and so, sometimes, unfortunately, our our lower nature wins out. We don't share it. We, we don't move forward in recovery, and we get drunk again.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, so so yes, I I, I do believe there's something deep within us that um that wants us to do this. Uh, now it's gonna now it's gonna give us some qualifications about people to who are gonna hear our fist up again. When this book was published, there was only a few groups of, of, uh, of Alcoholics Anonymous. One big one in Akron, uh, uh, another one in New York, a couple of small ones were, were popping up he- here and there. Uh, but they really expected this book to be mailed around, and this would be mail-order recovery. In other words, right. get the book in the mail, open it up, use it like a textbook, uh, get, a spirit, get a spiritual awakening, go find other people to work with. But mm-hmm. that really is what they thought that this book would do. In actual fact, uh, it 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 it, uh, it ended up being that it was a textbook yes, but it but it had to be taught. Uh, in other words, there was not as many recoveries by people just reading this book as there were uh, people carrying the message of this book. Mm-hmm. So uh, so there's some qualifications in here, and uh, and they should be also followed. Rightly and naturally, we we think well before we choose the person or persons with whom to take this intimate and confidential step. Note that it says person or person. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad idea to share your fist step with multiple people. Uh, you know, it even says, if, if you're a Catholic in here, you need to share it with, a you must share it with a priest. That's something, uh, that's something that people, uh, people miss a lot of times too. But I've done multiple uh, fist steps where I've sat with, with, uh, with uh, on one occasion, three people. And read my inventory to to three people, and uh, that was a good experience for me. It was um, I, I really have to say it was a good experience uh, 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 as far as deflation <laughs> at depth <laughs> of my ego. I walked out of their right size, Let me tell you.
1: Well, I think I think the more the more people that know us and know us well, um, that are, are of course people that we've thought uh, very carefully about discussing this stuff with. But the more of those that are out there, the more accountability I have, the more accountability, I, the more accountable I am, the more chances I, I have to lead a productive life.
0: True freedom, Monty, is being able to tell anybody anything about you. Yeah, that's right. That's, you know, uh, how free do you want to be? Yeah. Those of us belonging to a religious denomination, which requires confession, must and, of course, will want to go to the properly appointed authority whose duty it is to receive it. And here's another one that a lot of people miss. Though we have no religious connection, we may still do well to talk with someone ordained by an established religion. Mm-hmm. You know, I've heard I've heard a lot of people say, "Leave the poor priests alone." You know, do this with your sponsor. But but you know, and and I can understand that too. <laughs> uh, but I but I, uh, it, you may you may get uh, you may get something a little bit different from. A priest than you will from a sponsor, but I will tell you this: this is my strong belief. I think that you need to share this fist step with someone who who has has the same problem you do, alcoholism, and has done a fist step themselves. If if you're sharing if you're sharing something with a priest, they're not likely to say, oh, you know, oh, uh, you know, you do that. Uh, well, I did that too. They're right. really rarely going to say that. Uh, more often than not, they're going to say, "Bless you, my child. Go in peace." You know, and and they'll give you some uh, some spiritual direction. But when you're talking to another alcoholic, a lot of times they they make it easier for you because they say, "Oh yeah, you know. Oh oh, you did that. Oh, I did that too," and it, and it just makes it a little bit easier to get uh, uh, deep and down into uh, the nitty gritty of, mm-hmm. of of the stuff. That makes sense. We often find such a person quick to see and understand our problem. Of course, we, will want, we, we sometimes encounter people who do not understand alcoholic. If we cannot or would, would rather not do this, we search our acquaintance for a closed-mouth, understanding friend. So being closed mouth is essential. And it, it's okay to ask somebody. You know, you're going to keep this 100% confidential, correct, just between you and me and God. It's okay to ask that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and an understanding friend, someone who understands alcoholism. Perhaps our doctor or psychologist will be the person. It may be that one of our own family, but we cannot disclose anything to our wives or parents which will hurt them and make them unhappy. We have no right to save our own skin at another person's expense. Such parts of our story we tell to someone who will understand, yet be unaffected. The rule is that we must be hard on ourselves, but always considerate of others. Remember, r- right now you can't shake a stick without hitting a qualified sponsor You know, somewhere in your hometown. Back then, they, they really expected a lot of people to be getting this book in Albuquerque and, and not knowing who to share the fifth step with. Mm-hmm. Uh, nowadays, it, it's uh, a, lot, a lot easier to find somebody. Notwithstanding the great necessity for discussing ourselves with someone, it may be one is so situated that there is no suitable person available. If that is so, the step may be postponed only, however, if we hold ourselves in complete readiness to go through with it at the first opportunity. You can't use this as an excuse anymore because there's just too many people around that you can share. Your with. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you're in prison or, or, or something, you know, there, there may be, uh, uh, the, there's just no one who, who is going to be closed now and understanding. Uh, but, uh, but very rarely uh, it, it, are you going to be able to use this as an excuse anymore. We say this because we are very anxious that we talk to the right person. It is important that he be able to keep it confident, that he fully understand and approve what we're driving at, and that he will not try to change our plan. But we must not use this as a mere excuse to postpone Someone who might try to change your plan. Let's say you're sharing this and somebody, goes, somebody just stops you. Oh, you know, you, know you, don't, you don't have to go. I know I know what you're trying to say. I, you don't have to talk anymore about it because you know, they don't want to hear it. Right. That's not a, somebody good. Uh, that's not a, the right person to hear a fist step. <laughs> and, and every once in a while that can happen. Somebody sure. will just be horrified or something. And, and that's usually because they're not experienced with this exercise. When we decide who is to hear our story, we waste no time. We have a written inventory, and we are prepared for a long talk. So the other person has to be prepared for a long talk. Don't get somebody that's going to give you 20 minutes on Thursday, and don't get somebody who's going to stop you halfway through it and say, you know, we've covered enough, Uh, I've got a golf date, you know. Make sure that someone so the, the person that's listening to this is, understands the seriousness of it, the life and death errand, you know so you, you really try to try to qualify somebody uh, uh, in these ways. We explain to our partner what we we're about to do and why we have to do it. Now that's an instruction. I would have to I would have to say, you do understand I'm here to read my four step inventories to complete my fifth step and that's what we're doing here today and and uh, you, you understand you understand why I'm here i mean i mean sometimes they already know why you're there but it tells you it tells you to explain it mm. to your partner so i like to do it whether the person knows why i'm there or not okay you should realize that we're engaged upon a life and death errand most people approached in this way will be glad to help they will be honored by our confidence and here's how we need to move into it We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step withholding nothing, we are delighted. Here are the fifth step promises, and these are some nice promises. Number one is we're delighted. Uh, Number two, we can look the world in the eye. Number three is we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. That's something I never experienced. I couldn't stand being by myself. Mm. I'd always have to occupy myself, myself some way. Our fears fall from us. We begin to feel the nearness of our Creator. We, we begin to feel near to God. We may have a certain spirit. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will, come, will often come strongly. Now understand that the feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will come strongly. The drink problem hasn't disappeared. It just might feel that way. It's in the tenth step that the drink problem uh gets removed mm-hmm. and the promises for for drinking are, are are offered in the tenth step. We feel we are on the broad highway walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Now now okay, you're done. You've you've uh you've uh, laid it all out in front of this guy. Uh, you know, you've invited God into the process, and you've been entirely honest. You're not done yet. The returning home part is uh, is very, very important for the completion of the fifth step. Returning home, we find a place where we, be, we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. It's kind of a, 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 a meditative, kind of a guided meditative process. We're supposed to ask ourselves certain questions about... Um, the, the first five steps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's, first of all, there's a prayer. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. So that's a prayer that you're supposed to say. Before you take the book down from the shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, and those, uh, those, those proposals, uh, of course, are on page fifty eight uh, 59 and 60, Uh, in the first part of how how it works. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask ourselves, have we omitted anything? For we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in, in place? Have we skimped on the cement, put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? Those construction references, Bill loves those construction references, and they're all about building an arch to freedom Freedom from self, freedom from self-centeredness, freedom from, from, uh, 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 from alcohol, freedom from resentment, freedom from, uh, from all of the things that are uh, causing our uh, debilitation as human beings. Mm. And uh, that's, that's the returning home. How I'll, how I'll explain it to somebody is I'll say, look, here's the returning home part. You're, you're to go home. You're to cover the first five steps. If there's anything that you've left out, you are to call me. If you have if you um, if you have not uh, left anything out, uh, then you're to move on to step six and seven, which uh, I, I think we'll uh, I think we'll cover next week.
1: Yeah, very good, very good. A lot of uh, a lot of stuff to chew on there. Um, <clears throat> I, I always I, I'm always so pleased when uh, folks are able to see the promises that are in in this book. I mean, so many people. You know, we've talked about it before. The promises versus promises and i just love it when we break down the promises in the fifth step um there's a lot of stuff there's a lot of great stuff out there as we uh begin this journey one step at a time um right from the very beginning of walking through the door there's a lot of a lot of really great things waiting for us isn't there chris
0: you know there is, and, and the, the tendency a lot of times is to shortchange ourselves, yeah, and to think that you know sobriety is about as much as I'm going to get out of this. No, no, <laughs> The recovery and an absolutely wonderful way of life is available.
1: I am so glad that you talked about uh, doing this with somebody else. Uh, it's it's really interesting because I I have a person that I'm working with now that <clears throat> uh, I'm just starting to work with that um has really knows this book very well but it's been you know uh, he and the book (laughs) and uh i said there's there's something about you know another person working with you you know if we were created to be all alone there'd just still be adam in the garden you know what i mean we we've we've got this teamwork thing that that things just work better that way and it, it and, does and yeah I,
0: I think one of the greatest things that's going on today is is the big book studies in people's homes. Mm-hmm. you know somebody will invite a half a dozen people over every tuesday night and the, you know they'll go through the book and they'll they'll actually take the steps together and it, remarkable things uh, are are going on uh in in groups like those uh-huh. and, and those are people you know like if if you go to the bar, Bonnie, you know there'll be like three basic uh, types of people. Uh, if the bar is filled with alcoholics, there'll be the person kind of crying, you know, in, in their beer and really really sad and melancholy. Then there'll be the person like you know very amorous, you know, trying to pick up uh, someone a member of the opposite sex and hustle. And then there will be the people who want more out of alcohol. You know, they, they want more. They, they want to leave this bar and they want to go to the city, you know, to <laughs> the club. Um, I, think, I think the people that get involved in the big book recovery are those, those mad dogs who want more, mm. you know. And it's okay. It's okay in recovery to want more. Yeah. And if you want more, it's available for you. It's available in the in the in the book Alcoholics Anonymous. All you need to do is is uh, is follow directions and, <laughs> and continue to be uh, 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 be consistent with practicing the principles.
1: Yeah, yeah, right on, my friend. Right on, folks. Uh, I I just keep keep remembering. And some somebody asked me the other day. They they actually called the station and said, "How do I listen to this again?" It's very simple, my friends. Just go back, and that little arrow that points to the right, just click on it again, and the show will start one more time. You can also download the shows. Uh, If there's a little MP3 thing there, just right-click it, and then click on Save Target As. That's the easiest way to do it. And uh, listen to this over and over and over again. If you need to, share it with your friends and family, sponsors, sponsors. We really encourage you to do that. Chris, thank you so much.
0: Monty, always a pleasure.
1: My friends, don't forget to make it a priority to be here every Sunday as we walk through the Big Book with myself and Chris Schroeder. Bye-bye now.